0: Critics are celebrating Jingle All the Way. I know what you're thinking. The side-splitting holiday movie. What From the director of Home Alone and the director of The Flintstones. Oh, the baby. <laughs> it's hilarious, non-stop fun. That's my dad,
1: Howard? Arnold is funnier than ever. Thanks. In the best holiday family film in years. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nice doggy.
0: Jingle All the Way, rated PG. The fun starts tomorrow, only
1: in theaters. Welcome to Podcast Action Hero, the show that isn't a pervert.
0: Get to the chopper!
1: I want to ask you a bunch of questions. Hey, Christmas tree! I don't want to have them answered immediately. I'm not a pervert! You son of a bitch! My think are very sensitive. Get your ass to moss. I'm not shooting on you, fuck you asshole. Hi everyone, I'm Gavin. I'm Jamie. And this is the podcast where we basically talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger films for an hour. And in this episode, we're talking about 1996's <sighs> Jingle All The Way. We don't want to, but we are. So yeah, uh, anybody who listened to the last episode where this came up as the film we were going to be talking about, uh, well, watching first of all, and then talking about, might remember my shriek of terror. Yeah. Um, Or at the very least, tears. Uh, when this one came up but Jamie tell me what is your history with this film right well, well let's just go back to the last couple of episodes and just
0: just repeat exactly what I've said uh, it started this week I <laughs> I'm surprised by how few of these I'd seen I I thought I'd seen most Schwarzenegger films but it turns out no I've just not seen any of them yeah I was basically optimistic going into this thinking it's going to be about the same as Kindergarten Cop
1: got the same kind of feel to it so obviously we don't want to kind of tip our hand too soon as to what our ratings are going to be but i figure almost immediately everybody's going to be able to tell what our final rating of this is going to be on the podcast action hero scale
0: i mean maybe we'll
1: do a big twist (laughs) there's going to be like a whole character arc in this episode where we go from really downbeat about this film to turned around and you know it and we're really convinced about its potential as do you know what? I can't even be bothered to think about something to say about this film. I'm that disappointed. You say that you went into this one kind of optimistic. Why didn't you trust my judgement? It's not that I didn't trust your judgement.
0: <laughs> it's that I thought of it as, it can't be any worse than Jingle all the way. It, it looked like it was going to be exactly the same. And I thought, I, I could handle Kindergarten copy. It was boring, but I could handle it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I expected. I thought that time had warped your. (laughs) I thought you must have hated it so much the first time that you built it up in your head to be this antithesis of
1: what an Ali film should be. Well, here's the thing: in the run up to us watching this, I actually started to doubt myself. I started to doubt had I actually seen it because it's been so long. Like I don't think I watched this probably since it came out. And if this if this was released in sort of '96 or. Again, we've, we've touched on this previously, but back then we probably would have got it like the year after or something like that. But yeah, so I was, I was doubting myself and I was thinking, have I actually seen it or have I just seen bits of it? Have I just seen bits and pieces over the years and I've kind of put this thing together in my head? So I tried my best to go into this with an open mind to the extent that when we were watching it earlier this week, there was points where I was laughing and I was surprised that there was points where I was laughing through this film. And as it got towards the end, I was thinking, do you know what? Maybe my, maybe I had, you know, time had kind of distorted my ability to be objective and, and not too judgmental about it. Maybe I was wrong. And then it got to the final act. <laughs> and it got to like the last, the last 10 minutes of the film. And I was like, oh my God, no. It's worse than I remembered. Should we try and sum up the story before we move on? Yeah, go for it.
0: I'm not going to go too detailed here because it doesn't deserve it. Well, how could you? How could you? It's impossible. There's stuff that happens. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Howard Langston, whose kid really wants a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. And considering he's a loving family guy, but he's an overworked executive who never makes time, in the same way that all Christmas movies have this character. So the film is basically him versus Sinbad, who uh, his character is Myron Larrabee. Competing to buy the last of this sold-out action figure to win his son's approval and also fend off the attentions of Ted, his next-door neighbour, who is set on basically stealing his wife away from him. And it kind of culminates with Arnold Schwarzenegger accidentally ended up dressed as Turbo Man and flying around the city and then giving the limited-edition Turbo Man to his child... Whilst dressed as Turbo Man, yeah. happy days, Merry Christmas, let's all go home and drink heavily.
1: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? The The, the theme of this, I can imagine, as parents, is, is quite relatable, because every year there is, like, the toy, isn't there? There is, like... Right. For me, the last thing I can remember was Furbies.
0: Furbies <laughs> were a couple of years ha-
1: after this. Um, I, was just,
0: I was looking it up, actually. Tickle Me Elmo was the one that I thought this might be based on, but Tickle Me Elmo happened the same week that this came out basically right okay so the previous ones had been like um understandably power rangers because mm-hmm. turbo
1: man is basically power rangers right yeah oh well yeah the the opening scene where we're watching it and then it pans out and then uh is it jake was his son well, well he's called, he's called jamie it? i'm surprised you've forgotten that,
0: right. me- that memorable name <laughs> it's a shit name <laughs> you monster <laughs> but he's played by jake lloyd A.k.a. Anakin Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) Who I actually didn't think was too bad in this, considering he's like, what, eight? Something like that. I think he was... decent kid actor yeah i mean this would have somehow been...
1: george lucas made him look bad i i guess jake lloyd is as good as the material that you give him
0: but yeah that uh the the clip from the
1: show that we saw was just a very thinly veiled power rangers ripoff yeah and one of the like the first note that i made for that opening scene was it looked like an episode of like power rangers versus teletubbies yes there was those characters who, who come up later on towards the end at the um uh, in the in the, the what do you call it parade and the, the, I can't remember who it said the bad guy was, but he drops the child. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? The bad guy grabs the child, and he's basically going to throw this little kid to his death. Yeah. And then, fortunately, um, uh, Turbo Man saves him. And right off the bat, this is where we can bring in Chekhov's gun. Brilliant. Because it's exactly. It's replicated right at the end of the film. It's uh, It's. You know the the kid is is, is falling and then Sarah has to save him. Yeah, who knew that's what was going to happen?
0: The, the the Chekhov's moment I thought was going to happen was when Ted tells Howard to put chains around his tires because it's icy. That never came back, but I thought it was going nope, to. No, absolutely not. I thought we were for sure we were going to have a scene where he's driving around in the ice and he can't skid, you know, he's skidding around mm-hmm. and he can't keep control. He's like, oh, if only you would listened to Ted. But nope. Or, you know, irony of ironies, he hits Ted.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of things in there. That, so there was a few. There was. Essentially, in the same scene, you had uh, Schwarzenegger making a promise to his wife. I actually can't remember what he said. Um, I've just written down a my notes, Chekhov's promise. But it, <laughs> I, I suspect I suspect it was like words to the effect of, you know, I promise I'll be back for the parade. And it's like, okay, no, you won't. Because that's... He did actually promise
0: that he was going to be there, but he promised uh, Jamie rather than... Uh, rather than Liz, his wife. Liz? Liz, I think she's called, yes.
1: Yeah, Liz, Liz was his wife. Um, Then you've got, uh, I've got Chekhov's Turbo Man Under the Christmas Tree. Of course, yeah. Because Ted mentions Under the tree. Exactly, yeah. And then you've got Chekhov's Tie Chain, which never came to anything. So there was three things in a row, and I guess we've got two out of three, which isn't too bad. So you got to check off a couple of them. Hey! Ruffles. My work here is done. Good night. On the next episode, we're going to... We'll, uh... <laughs> Do you know what, I would love to just put a pen in it there and say we're done talking about this film. Do you know what but... though,
0: I've actually got more to talk about with this one than we did about uh, Kindergarten Cop.
1: Because at least things happen in this. They're all dreadful, but at least things happen. I'll give you that, because with uh, Kindergarten Cop, I wrote half a page. And when I say half a page, I mean like half a page of a tiny A5 notebook yep. when uh, when watching that one. On this one, I've almost got one-and-a-bit pages Wow. of notes, so I've got at least double. I, I just started on,
0: note, on page four, so... Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I know, I missed half the film, to be quite honest, and maybe that was a blessing.
1: Yeah, so we've got this film, we've got uh, Howard, we ident- You know, we find out he's hard uh, hardworking. he refers to his wife as his best customer, right at the very start. That's just out of habit, though, because he says it on the phone to everyone, right? Yeah, absolutely, and the thing is, I can relate to that in a way. Because years ago, and uh, this might have even been when we first met, but I was working in uh, call centers. I I worked in call centers for almost 10 years. And I had a really bad habit during that time of answering the phone with my call center greeting and also finishing a call with, you know, like I'd be speaking to my mum and she'd be like, okay, speak to you soon, love you. And I'd be like, thanks very much for your call. (laughs) So. You cold bastard.
0: <laughs>
1: That's great. So so I, I could I could very much relate to that when he says, you know, you're my number one customer, but it's it, it just goes to show that what what was his job anyway? Was he was it a truck company or something? He was, was he was a
0: mattress sales executive.
1: Right, okay. Is Christmas really busy for people buying mattresses? Honestly, that's the kind of thing that you should be getting
0: for Christmas, right? Because Christmas is one of those times where you should be getting the presents you should be getting for people are for for things that they wouldn't buy themselves. Yeah. Once you become an adult, it's like a present is just a token, unless it's something that you haven't already thought, well, I'll just go and buy that myself now. And a mattress is one of those things that you never think to buy. You know what's
1: literally just occurred to me is I don't even know why I'm questioning this because for Christmas just gone, I got a mattress. <laughs> so, I say this a lot in every episode. Whether it makes it into the episode, I don't know, but this is gold. Like, this is just absolute gold that we're talking it is. about here. Welcome back to Mattress Talk. Mattresses, just for life or only for Christmas? <laughs> I think we just lost our last uh, listener. Yeah, we'll spin the wheel of pain and see if we're talking about springs or memory foam next week. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> So we see Howard, he, uh, he heads out, he's, he's quote-unquote going back to the office because that's where he's told Liz that he's left Jamie's Power Man doll, Turbo uh, but in reality, what did I say? Power Man? Power Man. He's going back to the office because that's where he left the Turbo Man doll. Jesus. It's like I wasn't paying attention. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> So Howard's pretending to go back to the office because he needs to pick up the Turbo Man doll that he hasn't got, and he thinks he's going to pick one up on, uh, on Christmas Eve. And so we start the shenanigans then of uh, Howard's adventures. We've already touched on him bumping into Ted on the way out. So Ted's the creepy neighbour uh, who's absolutely macking on all of the women in the neighbourhood. Or rather, it's the other way around, to be fair. Yeah, they all they all like have
0: this strange attraction to him he's phil hartman and i know people love phil hartman but he is
1: super creepy in this yeah he's like don't leave your kids with him creepy but the women do love him and it what made me laugh is it comes out later on when when jamie's talking to ted's kid whose name i, I neither made a note of nor care, nor care to remember no me neither that he was the same deadbeat dad essentially that howard is until his wife left him right and then he became this kind of like Almost like a house husband character, just to almost like make up for it. And he's become, and he's tried to become Super Dad. So all the women love him because of that. But he is just generally quite a sleazy guy who knows, and he even brings it up later, doesn't he, that he knows that all the women in the neighborhood are crazy. And when he's basically assaulting Liz towards the end of this film, he said, like, it doesn't it say something like any woman in this neighbourhood would be glad to have me? You should consider yourself lucky or words to that effect.
0: Yeah, something along those lines, yeah. And gets deserved flask of eggnog in the face.
1: So so yeah, you've got creepy Ted. We've covered that, and then Howard goes out on his adventures. Is it when he's trying to then get to the the show when he's first pulled over by the motorcycle cop? He's trying to get to Jamie's karate right. recital. He-
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, this is that's before all this, right? That's like before the, even the promise of Turbo Man. The reason he promises Turbo Man is because he realizes he's just let down his family quite a bit recently.
1: It is. You're absolutely right. So it's it's more at the start when he's getting to um the sort of like Jamie's karate demonstration, whatever it is. He's trying to get his his next belt. I used to do karate
0: when I was about that age, and it was a kata. But this is Chinese right. karate, as they call it, specifically.
1: Yeah, I don't know very much about karate. Um, my understanding was that karate is Japanese, but yep I, I you know I'm sure people can tweet or complain in some way about uh, about my lack of knowledge. I'll just leave us alone. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> but my note when the uh, when that motorcycle turns up, I'm like I'm like this bike cop has got me two days away from retirement. He's Oh, I, I looked wolf.
0: him up. Um, Robert Conrad. I looked him up. Uh, I'll, I'll just go on his Wikipedia now. He was like working from 1953. He was in the Silver Age? It's like that mm-hmm. thing again of the uh, the, the gunsaw owner from Terminator. That whole thing about yeah. that, that generation who towards the end were in things like this and must have been cursing the day.
1: I mean, he played it with all his heart, but straight away I was like, why, why is this guy a motorcycle cop? He's, he looks like he's ready to retire. And then obviously you get his whole backstory about like he spent ten years in the bomb squad, and then it's like, well, why is he? Why is he a motorcycle cop after being ten years in the bomb squad? And then he blows himself up, and you're like, ah,
0: that <laughs> might be why.
1: Yeah, it's weird because he's the he's
0: the closest thing you've got. To, well, I suppose he's not the closest thing you got to an antagonist, but he's like the the ongoing antagonist while mm. Howard's relationship with Myron is still. I was going to say, will they, won't they? Will they, won't they fight? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, like, Myron is the antagonist, but he's also kind of the buddy for a good half of the film. Yeah. As they're, they're kind of like two, two dads who are both in the same position as being, like, they've let their kids down and they just need to make it up with this one. In fact, I made a note of this. There's a moment where Myron says, one chance a year to prove that we're not screw-ups. And he's talking mm. about Christmas. It's like do you just take 364 days off?
1: <laughs> and then just go, I'll I'll make it up to him this one day. Yeah, wow. make it up to him at Christmas. And that was one of my notes that I made was when he's trying to, sorry, when Howard, I should say, Schwarzenegger's character, is trying to make it up to Jamie later and he's talking to him like, if there was one thing you could have, what would you want that would, you know, that would make it all better? And and that's when he comes out with, you know, the the, the very specific request for the, uh, the Turbo Man doll. And you can see the light come on in uh, in, in Howard's eyes when he realises that, yeah, very much like Myron said, it's the one chance that he's got yeah. to not be a screw-up. It's the one chance he's got to buy his love, to buy his <laughs> own son's love. <laughs> if I give him this toy, then it will be okay that I'm just never there for him, that I work, you know, 70 hours per week. And right. I f- and I arrive at his karate, kata, recital, whatever, several hours after it's closed and everybody's gone home because I've got no concept of time.
0: Maybe he was relying on his uh, clone from The Sixth Day to turn up and do it instead. And smoke his
1: stogies. <laughs> I very much wanted the death of Sinbad within 30 seconds of him appearing on screen. Oh. I was done with that guy immediately. Is that because he was basically Leo Gets from Lethal Weapon? I guess so, yeah. Just shouting, screaming, being really annoying. And I get that... You know, you're supposed to have that character maybe, but I, I don't know if you are. But yeah, it was just immediately that kind of like non-stop. And I get the feeling as well. And, uh, you know, f- again, everybody feel free to write in, tweet and email in or don't. I get the feeling that Simbad ad-libbed everything, that everything was improvisation. It was. It, it was. If you done that in your research? Yep. It was, yep. Yeah.
0: He improvised almost everything. And uh, Schwarzenegger had to improvise his responses
1: as well. Well, it obviously worked because this is... Oh, it's a laugh a minute. It's a comedy, you know? Is it, though? <laughs> well,
0: the behind-the-scenes that I watched... Yeah, I did, I did more research. Uh, Schwarzenegger says, what
1: What are people going to get from this film? They will be laughing from beginning to end. Well, I mean, they, they call it a comedy, I call it a tragedy, but this goes back to what uh, we were saying. I can't remember which episode it was, but Schwarzenegger never has a bad thing to say about anything he ever does. Mm-hmm. He's a pure... Businessman, he's a salesman, and if it's got his name on it, as far as he's concerned, it's amazing. Which is surprising here because some numbers for you. Go on. The budget for this film was
0: seventy-five million. Fuck off. Of nineteen ninety-six money.
1: Sixty million of that must have been Schwarzenegger's fee.
0: Twenty million of it was. Oh wow. This was the period where he could charge twenty million for an appearance. So like that's more than a quarter of the entire budget. Is just his fee. So, like, he's
1: really got no reason to care whether this film's good or not. And I know that it's one of the standard things within actors' contracts. They'll include as part of their fee that they have to go and do, you know, the press junkets and all that kind of stuff of and, you know, talk to 200 people a day for five minutes about how great this film is and answer the same questions. I know that's part of it included. But sometimes you can tell when you're watching those press junkets. You can tell that they've answered the same questions again and again, and it's wearing down on them. You never get that with Schwarzenegger. He's always super enthusiastic about absolutely everything. And I'm sure that if you took him to one side now and said, biggest film mistake of your career, what was it? I don't know if he'd be able to come back and say anything. I think he would, you know, if you asked him now about Jingle All the Way, he'd be like, yeah, really enjoyed it. It's a great family film, fun for all the family. He'd say all the same stuff, I'm sure. Um, it was nice to see a, uh, a quick appearance from Chris Parnell as uh, as the, the toy shop clerk in this one. I guess this would have been, bef- I mean, it was definitely before Archer, definitely before Rick and Morty. I'm going to guess it's a very early role for him. And yet for me, watching it back, it's like a cameo. Right. It's like, oh, you know, like he's just appearing. it? But for him, this might have been like a really big deal. It's like he's already arrived. He's full Chris Parnell. It's like he's achieved his full form already. And is this the one where they're doing the um, the, the lottery to see who gets the chance?
0: Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure. I, th- I think maybe I missed some dialogue, but mm. was it a case of uh, if you had a ball, you had a chance of getting a Turbo Man? Or is it they had so many Turbo Mans and all of these Super Bowls that were bouncing around. If you got one of them, you got a Turbo Man.
1: The impression that I got was, yeah, well, yeah, because it, it seemed to change when it was a, when they arrived and the I guess the store manager was talking about the situation. It was they had a limited number of Turbo Man dolls. To have a chance of buying one, they were going to hand out these lottery balls, these ping pong balls essentially, and people were going after these ping pong balls as though they would definitely get a turbo man doll by having one of them right and so the way that you've got schwarzenegger howard and sinbad fighting and chasing after this one ball it it was as if they believed that if they got that they would definitely have the doll and that wasn't the case it was just like the one in 200 chance or whatever that they would have had to get it that's what changed my mind
0: to make me think oh everyone who's got a ball gets one then because otherwise this whole sequence is just well overdone he's committing acts of he he builds up quite a rap just as howard over this over this film
1: oh yeah impersonate yeah, a absolutely. police officer assaulting children criminal damage criminal damage he runs over bike
0: cops he also commits fraud well i mean he's involved in a black market deal yep on top of impersonate a police officer at the same time mm-hmm. and it all kind of kicks off with this bit where he just starts assaulting people in the mall and then
1: but that entire scene is just awful because one of the notes that i made is when the when you've got people fighting and pushing over each other and even even the scene before that when they when they first get to the store and the doors open and people are like just trampling that the shop clerk and it's played as in as in for laughs and it's like yeah but that happens every year at like black friday and it's and people are trash. <laughs> that wasn't funny because that that was just like yeah oh yeah that's a remi- reminder of what people are actually like. When was it it's... was it always like was it that bad then, or was that based on a couple,
0: couple of isolated incidents? Because I know that that was the reason this film got made was the writer
1: saw this kind of thing happen a few times. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's, you know, we see it now because it's a case of, like, life-imitating art. (laughs) Yeah. Not to say for a second that I would suggest that this film is anything resembling art. (laughs) It sure as shit isn't. I guess it's one of these things where people have seen it on TV that people do that, so now it's okay to do that. And I know that scene was played for laughs. I know all that stuff with the shop clerk being trampled with people climbing all over, over each other and pulling each other down and attacking each other I know that was played for laughs and it probably says something more about me than anything but it made me angry
0: yeah.
1: watching this film. It's like that's not funny because that actually happens and I'm not trying to come across as like a socialist or anything like that or a communist And it's where I'm like oh capitalism is terrible look what it does to people but capitalism is terrible look what it does to people (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the bad guy in this film you know that's the antagonist i mean it it literally is that's that's the point of the film is that
0: christmas consumerism is the worst and like it was meant to be a satire but like it had all the edges shaved off it i mean it was the original guy randy cornfield was the guy who wrote it and then it was rewritten by Chris Columbus, who I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure he's a decent writer. Like, I No, he's a good d- director. Well, he's an mm. acceptable director.
1: You've then got, after that scene, um, Howard is kind of wandering around the mall. He's lost. He doesn't really know what's going to happen now. And then he bumps into uh, James Belushi, who is the mall Santa, <laughs> who oh. then <laughs> who offers to... Uh, he says he's got a Turbo Man doll. And he will uh, he'll sell it to him for the right price, and that very then quickly leads into going into is it the storeroom I guess for the for the mall where all
0: for no, some, no, there. No,
1: no the driver no 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 yeah it's a it goes separate it's a separate factory warehouse isn't it where all the mall Santas are yeah. implying that mall Santas are part of some kind of it's, gang it's basically
0: the drug lab from RoboCop it's like a big old setup where like loads of illicit <laughs> stuff happening in this nondescript warehouse.
1: So yeah, they go to the warehouse full of Santas and then you have a Santa fight. Uh, this, this was the point where the film lost me. Because up
0: until then... I mean, had like, you? No, he didn't have me, but it was like... I, I knew what kind of film this was until then. It was a series of escalating misunderstandings, mishaps and barriers that are going to stop this guy from being able to get his toy. It's him versus this one other guy. And then suddenly the black market Santas arrive and all of them talk as if they are Santa. Except Jim Belushi he talks as if he's Jim Belushi. The the big guy saying I'm going to deck your halls, bub. Mm-hmm. And and things along those lines. Every the the password to get in is jingle bells, batman smells. And they're all just so committed. And it's like you're just a bunch of criminals in a warehouse. And if yeah. you if if they're committing to actually pretending to be Santa, then this film has taken a turn for the like surreal rather than the wacky, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this that was the point where I was like oh, you've turned a corner now, and I think this is now some like Gilliam trash as opposed to just some family trash
1: well did did they believe that they were Sansa because the the, the the my reading of it and and I might be reading into it too much was essentially the idea was all mall Sansa's are essentially uh, criminals. They're all part of this criminal organisation where they all dress as Santa. They all wear the full Santa outfit all the time, even when they're in each other's company. Yeah. And when they go to the malls, they're essentially, they're stealing toys, taking them back to their warehouse, and then, almost like a Robin Hood sort of thing, like robbing from the rich to give to the poor, they are then selling those toys to people like Howard, who are desperate, but, for, but rather than doing it for, for good, they're doing it for like jumped up prices and everything like that. Mm. And that's how Howard he ends up getting, I guess it's a knockoff Turbo Man doll, isn't it? Because it's speaking Spanish yeah. and its arms and legs fall off, <laughs> which made me giggle, to be fair. And it still does. But yeah, it's you've got the big fight. Howard, does he punch Jim Belushi or hits him with a big candy stick or something like that? Jim Belushi then does this kind of like Buster Keaton-ish slapstick Falls backwards, goes up on his head. Yeah, you've got. Is it? Ver, is it Vern Troyer who was in? Who was Mini Me? He was like the tiny little Santa. He was. Yeah, he was in it. Yeah, and he gets punched across like all the way across the room. So this is the point where the the
0: police bust in. Yes, go on and break up this illicit Santa ring, uh, arresting tons of people, and that's the point where Howard finds a toy police badge in one of the boxes and then flashes it to the cops and berates them for being there late, mm-hmm. pretending to be an undercover cop. Yeah. And that's a step too far for a mattress exec. That's where you've oh, turned yeah. the corner from being, I didn't realise this was an uh, an illegal den of Santas giving out stolen merch, to suddenly I am now impersonating a police
1: officer with a clear conscience. He, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, Crazy. I mean, so we're British, I'm not going to pretend to know the intricacies of the US uh, legal system, but I imagine that's a felony offence, impersonating <laughs> a police officer. <laughs> He's racking up the charges at this point, and we've yeah. not even started talking about Sinbad yet, in terms oh. of like, the stuff that he gets up to. Should we just talk about that for a second? So I'll tell you what, let's jump to which I think is the next scene. Uh, I may have possibly, after the the Santa fight, I might have slipped into some kind of fugue state. Well, this and,
0: immediately after the Santa fight, when he, he, I think this is where he goes out and realizes his, his car's just been taken
1: apart. Is this where they then go? To, he, he goes to the bar and he meets up with Simbad, and then they, it looks like they might be friends briefly, right. until they hear the uh, the radio competition where they have the chance to win a Turbo Man doll, mm-hmm. and then they head off over to the. I radio just want stage.
0: to point out before the, during that that scene at the diner, you get Simbad's backstory of his dad never buying him this gun that he wanted this toy gun that he wanted and his yep. friend's dad did and his friends now a, or his old friend when he was a kid is now a billionaire yeah and we're kind of led to believe that that's all it takes what you don't get a toy gun you become a a loser Yep. which this guy's basically self-describing himself as he's a mailman he's not like you know he's it's a noble profession he's kind of implying that if you don't get the gun you become a loser if you do get the gun you become a, a billionaire, kind of implying that if you don't get your kid this Turbo Man, your kid's not going to turn out to be anything. But if you do, he's going to be successful as hell. And then Howard sees Myron slash Simbad suddenly turn, uh, as he's drinking <laughs> scotch in a, in a diner, which I'm also sure is an offence, he turns into his son, his eight-year-old, like, innocent son. He's just dressed as him, as a mailman outfit, drinking scotch, saying,
1: here's to you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I, hands down, the that. best
0: moment in the film.
1: It is. It is. I completely forgotten about that. And I think that was probably the biggest laugh that I got, was because Jake Lloyd, as Jamie, he really lent into that. Like, he was <laughs> all for it. He de- <laughs> like, that kid's got comedy timing. I'll give him that. And it's a shame, obviously, what happened to... Uh, Jake Lloyd, which, you know, we'll save that for the Phantom Menace podcast that we'll no doubt do it in the future. Do people like Star Wars? Will anyone listen to that? I think it's a bit niche. People like some Star Wars. Yeah. Anyway, we, that was, wasn't was the only time that I laughed, but it was definitely the biggest laugh when you see uh, Jamie drinking scotch in the, uh, in the <laughs> diner. But I like the way that Sinbad kind of got the... I, I like to think that somewhere there's a version of this script where that character gets a little bit of a better treatment because right. what he's essentially saying there is uh you know he likens it you know the reason that this guy's a billionaire is because his dad got him this particular toy what it sounds like really is that actually it wasn't about the toy it was about dad's attention this kid that he knew when he was younger yeah he had his father's attention He had a good relationship with his father and that led him off to being then a successful person obviously with sinbad's character what was he called myron myron yeah so with Myron, he didn't have that with his dad, and, and, and so he believes that's the reason why. Actually, it's the the poor relationship. And one thing, again, that this film has sort of picked up on a little bit, uh, and this is what, I guess, um, Kindergarten Cop got wrong when we touched, about, uh, touched on about how the uh, parental relationship impacts, is you've then got somebody who had a real poor father figure, who therefore doesn't have that role model in being a father themselves and he's now just continuing that kind of trend. Yeah. I'm overthinking this film. Again, I'm 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 trying to like fill the gaps.
0: Well, I don't think you are. I story.
1: think that was what they intended. It's just it was clumsy again. It seems that in this scene they were trying to build to a level of empathy between Myron and Howard where they were almost potentially going to start to understand each other and it looked Briefly for a second, like maybe this film was going to achieve a level of depth and character development yeah. that I, I'd forgotten about. Like, again, I've not watched this since it came out, and I was thinking, oh, well, maybe this, maybe I wouldn't have noticed this when I was younger. I wouldn't have appreciated this character defining moment when they both realise that actually it's they who are potentially through their acts and actions causing harm. And maybe this is the point where they're going to realise that actually. What their kids need isn't Turbo Man. What their kids need is just somebody who pays them attention. Right. And then they hear on the radio that there's a competition and it completely just derails that moment. And maybe that was the point. Maybe that's supposed to be funny that, oh, it looked like they were going to have that development. That scene would have been better for me if that had actually worked and they realised that. But obviously that was, you know, there was still 20 minutes left in the film at that point. Oh, no, there was more that was the point
0: where I looked at the runtime and realised we were only forty minutes in.
1: The way they play that, it makes it seem like, okay, we're probably entering into like the the sort of like the final acts now. This is where the film's going to start wrapping up. That's, and then you that's said, the no. end. Yeah, that's the end of the yeah, second act. Where
0: the all hopes lost kind of thing. It's like the oh, but we're going to redouble our efforts now. Maybe we team up. Maybe we realise what's important kind of thing. It's the end of Planes, Trains and Automobiles kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> you, you finally understand the state you're in and you do something about it. But no, it just continues as before.
1: Speaking of that, it's... Oh,
0: yeah. This is the scene that couldn't have happened five years later.
1: Yeah. So then you've got Howard and Myron uh, then head off to the radio station, um, Howard basically kicks the door in. Um, the radio DJ has a second to ring the police, uh, and they're on their way. I mean, I can imagine. Can you imagine in real life if you were that that radio DJ and a huge Austrian bodybuilder man kicks the door in and starts screaming at you about reindeer? <laughs> <laughs> he literally destroys the door to the radio station. Yeah. So the, the radio DJ is like curled up in the corner, fully expecting to die. Myron, Simba's character, arrives there a few seconds later, and basically tells them that one of the parcels he's got is a bomb. Yep. Um. Just chit ch Is that is that before? Is that before or after? Who was it who said the line "terrorists at a tea party"? Oh God! Yeah. Um. That was early on. Yeah. So so Myron gets a a parcel out, claims that um every postman, post person, will at some point find an explosive device in their deliveries and they save one basically for special occasions just in case they need it yeah and he says that I've got a bomb and you know <laughs> it causes a
0: standoff and you know right from that point that it's not going to be a bomb it's going to be something else yeah and when he get does he get tackled does he fall over or something I can't remember how it shakes out but the this package falls on the ground
1: yeah i think he just fumbles it and drops it
0: and it just, it's a music box because it starts the music. It's like one of the few things in a box that could make a noise so you'd know exactly yeah. what it is. So then, when the cops arrive and they're all pointing guns at him in a corridor in a way that would it absolutely mean that one of them would just shoot the other one, mm-hmm. and he gets another box
1: out to do the same trick again. And that one does turn out to be a bomb. Yeah, because motorcycle cop turns up again because he's yeah. everywhere. That, uh, that a crime, you know. He, he's like Robocop, you know, somewhere a crime is happening. And, <laughs> and he's like, it's not going to be a bomb. And he picks it up and he smells it. He does. Because, <laughs> you know, I guess he knows what. He says, that, you know, I worked on the bomb squad for 10, 10 years. I guess he knows what a bomb smells like. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and, sorry, just before that as well. Sinbad uses that to make his escape he gets all the police to put their guns down because he's got this supposed bomb. Then he puts the bomb down, gets into the elevator and says words to the effect of don't follow me, if you follow me I'll know because I've got the ears of a snake (sighs) which is bullshit because everybody knows that snakes don't hear with their ears, they hear through vibrations on the ground. So that's why that doesn't make any sense. So he disappears down the elevator motorcycle cop Picks up the bomb, smells it, and at that point, it cuts to Howard outside, and you just see all the windows of the uh, of the office building blow out, and it's like, oh shit, they're all dead.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, it turns out it's more of a wily e. coyote. Everyone else is fine. Officer Hummel, as it turns out, his name is, yeah, just has a a charred face. He's got the.
1: It's the old soot on the face such. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, 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 and, and I, I wonder how much of why we don't see that very much anymore is well, A, we don't watch kids' films much. Mm. But B bombing isn't really a thing that happens in films anymore unless it's a serious thing. Yeah. You could not do that scene today. even yeah, even I've... twenty years after, you know, September eleventh. Oh this was like a year after the Oklahoma City bombing as well. So it's like it's surprising that they even did it then.
1: Yeah, I don't understand how that got past anyone. I don't understand how that got past being written into a script. I can't imagine why anybody saw that on the page and thought, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Bomb, you know, mail bombs. Let's yeah. let's turn that into a joke. Yeah, why not? Well, you know, let, let put it in a kid's film. That'll be, be all right. Shocking. It's shocking. Um, I'm trying to think what happens next. Is this the point where he goes back home? I think so, yeah. He's sort of going back home empty-handed. He's almost ready to admit defeat. He sees, if I recall correctly, that's when he sees Ted in his house with his wife. Yeah. And then remembers Chekhov's turbo man under the Christmas tree next door. Yeah. And that's when he decides... Okay, so he's gone from reckless driving and speeding at the start of the film to... Chasing a child, being accused of being a pervert, to impersonate a police officer. Criminal damage as well before that when he runs over the police officer's motorcycle. And he's now going to go for breaking and entering into his neighbour's house to steal a child's toy. Which, uh, due to the
0: intervention of a, um, I was going to say giraffe,
1: what's... A reindeer. A reindeer, yeah. (laughs) Uh, A kind of a... Oh yeah, the classic uh, Christmas giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh God.
1: Can you Rudolph, tell I'm not a big neck giraffe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Welcome to Know Your Animals. <laughs> Um, yeah but this the, there's a giraffe uh, no god it's not a giraffe uh, there's a reindeer <laughs> there's a reindeer who's also called Ted who Ted is trying to kind of uh, not adopt but he's giving it to like he's, he's he has adopted it but he's giving it back to the like nature kind of thing
1: well he's adopted it he's, or he's bought this reindeer he's going to exploit this reindeer for a day uh, as like a Christmas present or for a, a few weeks whatever for Christmas for his son and then he said, "There's, they would seen like a a family of reindeer down by some lake or forest, something like that. And then they're going to take that and release it with these deer because it will adopt because they will adopt this reindeer. And yeah. I'm thinking that's almost certainly not how that works. No, pretty sure not. But it's a fake
0: preferable to what actually happens, which is Howard punches it in the face, mm. and then just gives it beer. Yeah, because obviously there's the." Arnold versus reindeer altercation inside the house, which results in Ted's house partially burning down. The head of his Balthazar paper mache or whatever it is <laughs> statue. He's got the whole nativity as like life size statues in his living room. Just in case you need an indication of how big Ted's house is, he can he can not only have his entire family in his living room, but also a fake life size family of statues
1: well he say his entire family his entire family is his son that's true but
0: I imagine he has people over like extended family and stuff at Christmas he's that kind of guy
1: he has all the neighbors outside during the day doesn't he but maybe he gets his hair room of uh, female neighbors around who knows P- perhaps I mean maybe your son's scarred for life from all of this
0: <laughs> just like constantly wandering in the wrong room oh
1: god dad anyway so Howard has a fight with the giraffe uh, the house catches fire <laughs> Uh, minutes later, um, there is apparently no sign of fire or any kind of fire damage, despite everything being burning. So, so Howard gets caught.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you just so casually said giraffe. It's just killing me.
1: I honestly didn't even realize that's the it. For now
0: on, it's the Christmas giraffe. <laughs> oh, I'm crying.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> reindeer. <laughs> How Howard fights the reindeer. Ted. The house catches fire. That's when Howard gets caught with the turbo mandle in the house because he kicks Balthasar's flaming head through the window. So the house is on fire. Yeah. He kicks Balthasar's flaming head through the window, smashes the window. That's how he gets caught. And then there's apparently no damage to the house. Yeah, because Ted then offers to give Liz and Jamie
0: a, a lift to the parade in his car. And it's like, dude, your house is on fire. <laughs> yeah. You need to bulb that window up. I mean, you'd expect Howard to do something about helping, you know, helping tamp the fire down a little bit, or maybe Balthazar's head was the only thing. But you know, at this point, someone's kicked my window through and set fire to my house. I wouldn't immediately go. Do you want to lift us to town? No. Look after your house.
1: No, no. Also, we've been friends for a long time. But if I were to ever come home and find that you have burnt my house down, smashed a window and you're, in, you're literally caught red-handed stealing something from under my Christmas tree, I'm probably going to call the police. Yeah. And that never comes up. And also, Howard sort of looks a little bit guilty that he's, he realises then what he's been doing and he's going to put this thing back, you know, this Turbo Man doll back under the tree. But yeah. further than that, he shows no signs of remorse whatsoever. No. Howard is a full-on sociopath. All the way through this film. He's a liar. <laughs> he's got all the defining traits of a psychopath. He he will lie. He will deceive. He will trample over people just to get what he wants. It's not about Jamie getting the present. None of this is about his son getting what he wants. No. Because what his son wants is a loving, caring, atten- attentive father. This is all about Howard getting what he wants, which is his son's adoring affection and attention. Yeah. That's everything he's doing is about what he wants. That's what this film was about. It's not about, oh, this is a a funny series. This is about how Al Schwarzenegger is playing a sociopath who is a terrible person who learns nothing throughout his hero's journey. That's true. He he is not transformed at all, which maybe I'm getting ahead. And I'm off on one of my trademark rants again. Do it. But I'm going to pause for a second because I'm getting carried away. One thing I will say about watching this film back again, is it's refreshed my hatred for it in ways that I didn't appreciate from last time I watched it. Like, I hated it all for the same reasons, but now I've got new reasons to hate it because I understand a little bit more about narrative and film and plot and structure and character development. And it's this thing where this guy is played off a comedy, but he's just a bad person at the end of the day. It's all about him, like, his self-gratification... This this journey that he's on, and it's like at that point when he's kind of caught. It's only like when he's caught by his neighbour when it's like, okay, I realise what I'm doing now, and then minutes later, completely forgets about it. He's been given a reason to forget about it by being jealous of Ted moving
0: in on his wife in the car, mm. but that's kind of bad timing because by that point, that should have already happened around the same time. It, if the if the story going to work, I think this, that has to happen around the same time. As of getting found out, because like at that point he needs to be completely focused on I need to be a better dad kind of thing, and instead
1: he's like that guy and my wife. It's like no 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 no. Well, I'm forgetting Liz and Jamie, and then Ted and Ted's son, whatever the hell his name was. They head off to the parade. I can't remember. Remind me if you if you do remember. Why didn't Howard go to the parade? Is it was it was it because he was still off trying to get this Turbo Man doll? Why didn't he go with them? He just didn't go the because break. they didn't want him to go. All oh, right. <laughs> he was just not invited. <laughs> Good. That's the first sensible thing that's happened. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Should we move on to the uh, the final scene?
1: Yeah. So uh, they all head off to the product placement parade. Oh, don't they? Which I assume this is how they funded the film and yeah. made the, lim- I, I guess, is that is that a limited budget? I don't even know. 75, was it 75 million you said? 75 million will be a
0: limited budget today. Yeah. I guess back then, Let me just find out how much 75 mil is in today's money. Okay.
1: Well, while you're doing that, I'll mention, um, so we had uh, Crayola uh, made an appearance in the parade. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made an appearance as well. Sonic. Sonic was in there. I'm sure there was more, but I'm blanking. And so they all head off to this parade, which is, I get the impression that what it was trying to be was like an imitation of like the famous Macy's Parade. Which I guess happens around Christmas in New York.
0: I guess, yeah.
1: And the whole reason that they're really there is because Jamie is really obsessed with seeing the Turbo Man uh, float when that one comes down as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, seventy-five million in nineteen ninety-six is one hundred twenty-seven million today. Right. So that's quite
1: the budget. I guess it seems like it, yeah. And I don't. That's why I was wondering how much of that cut was Schwarzenegger's because. Uh, especially this last scene that we're getting into i don't see where that money went at all certainly not on effects no and i I strongly suspect that all of the like the product placement stuff that's coming in here all the brands that we see that must have been an attempt to sort of squeeze a few extra dollars to make this thing happen or maybe they had
0: to pay out for the rights to show them to make it look like a legitimate parade because maybe Surely, even Sega wouldn't have signed up for this shite.
1: What What's Howard going there for anyway? He because he, he goes to I guess he goes to meet his family there, right? He then sees Ted, not the reindeer Ted or the giraffe Ted. By
0: this point, him and the giraffe Ted have already had a a, a post fight, drink
1: yeah, drinking
0: beer out of a bowl.
1: So he he sees the real human Ted, basically sexual harassing his wife, but it's that it's that old sort of like trope of. I'm stood a few feet away, so to me, it looks like she's enjoying it. Which it didn't, by the way, because it showed it from Howard's POV. Yep. And even, you could even see, like, she's not into it at all. She's not leaning Howard, in or anything, yeah. Yeah, but Howard sort of reads it as she is. He doesn't go to her rescue. He instead runs off somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I can't remember
0: exactly how, but this is the point where he accidentally ends up in... Does he end up in the float at the
1: bottom of the float? Yeah. Or... so he's he starts I think the the motorcycle cop sees him and uh, and, and chases oh, yeah. him and so he goes and hides in a building the motorcycle cop sort of follows him in can't see him clears off and that's when I guess the producer of the uh, the parade of the turbo Man one grabs Schwarzenegger grabs Howard and says are oh, you late where have you been and starts putting all the costume on him and the next thing uh, Howard's popping up in the uh, in the in the turboman floats and he's got no idea what's going on. Shenanigans ensues. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, do they ever?
1: Then you sort of see the uh, you see, uh, Sinbad Myron turns up. He grabs the bad guy who's perched on the side of a building. puts on his costume for some reason because I don't know why, but I guess it's important that Myron dons the costume of the Turbo Man Baddie in order to fight howard i don't know if he just thinks
0: that's the only way he's not going to get immediately tackled from the float by the police
1: oh as a terrorist suspect yeah
0: given that he's just committed a terrorist act and actually blown up part of a building yeah i guess well but just as anyone if you were a guy dressed in street clothes who came down on the zip line and then started demanding stuff of people on a float in the middle of a parade mm. i reckon you would probably get tackled but if you dress <laughs> as the character who's meant to be there you're gonna get at least a minute's grace i guess so yeah so that maybe that does make sense, but I don't want to let's not credit them.
1: So then there's the fight you've got, and it's all this like choreographed fight as well, where those like weird Teletubby things from the beginning of the film, yeah, they they come out, and Howard has to fight those. So Jamie gets picked out of the crowd yeah. by Howard. Tremendous act of nepotism. But of course, it was always going to go that way, wasn't it? That's the whole reason he's in there. Yeah, a special
0: limited edition, super shiny version of Turbo Man that only one kid gets to have. Not
1: even in its box. No, nope. in all the uh, in all, the, so oh god, so Howard gives Jamie the limited edition Turbo Man. Myron turns up; he's trying to steal it off Jamie. Jamie escapes, decides to climb up a building and then climb onto a sign at the top, as kids do. Get as high as you can. That's what they teach you. If someone's chasing you, climb as high as you can. What well, how did you feel about this? Because you mentioned when we watched uh, Kindergarten Cop and oh, the, the, uh, the... Sphere of heights yeah and when some of the kids climbing up the antenna or whatever it was to pop yeah. these like lasers or whatever that you genuinely got a bit queasy about that yeah and a very and essentially the same thing happens the exact same trope which is uh, jamie's gonna fall off and this thing is in kindergarten cop the kid didn't even have the same name as you but in this one it's jamie jamie's gonna fall jamie's hanging jamie's gonna die how did that make you feel well i hurt myself so i was fine with it. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was the way it was filmed. It, there
0: was just no... It didn't believe that there was a, not a crash mat a, like a foot below them. Whereas in Kindergarten Cop, there was a genuine sense of peril. I don't think that ever came through here. So I, I hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned it. Didn't even trigger my scared of heights sense.
1: Because the stakes are so low in this film. Yeah, right. It, but one thing I did make a note of was Myron, Sinbad's character, follows Jamie up there. Yep. And essentially, he's he gets the, uh, the Turbo Man out of his backpack, and he's more than happy to let Jamie fall. I made it out that Simbad will kill a child right, if he has to. Like, all the terrible stuff this Myron character's done, he's already wanted on terror threats. Now he's going to be wanted on, like, uh, attempted murder of a minor. It's shocking. How is he still alive? He gets, he gets, so he gets arrested at the end, right? But This film should end with both Howard and Myron
0: locked up for at least 10 years.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to do, I guess, what M. Night Shyamalan's doing now with the, uh, with like his trilogy with um, Unbreakable <laughs> and Glass and everything. It's going to be one of them, like, you know, 20 years later, they're coming out of prison. Or oh, like a Blues Brothers sequel or something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> you could bring back
0: Jake Lloyd. I think Jake Lloyd would come back for no he
1: wouldn't i don't think i think he's done with hollywood right and i'm not surprised because i think there's a really good opportunity to do a follow-up sequel for this one mm-hmm. but to pick up on that missed opportunity that you had in the diner where it really picks up on the damage that having a an absent father and uh, a and an neglectful father a sociopath yeah. as a father can actually have and so jake lloyd could, could come back to see, you know, what what happens to Jamie when he's, as he's older, as he comes to terms and, and you know, and processes the trauma of having Howard... He's, it, a, he's essentially the Myron character. Like, what's happened with his kids kind of thing. And it could start with Jamie in a diner in his postman outfit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's to you, Dad!
1: <laughs> so, as Jamie's falling, Howard realises that he can actually use this suit it has a fully functioning rocket pack on it yeah that it take that it takes mere seconds for for Howard to real, you know to understand how to use it he catches Jamie they fly around in the sky for a little while they come back down to earth i guess everything is forgiven because it motorcycle cop turns up again he goes to congratulate Turbo Man Howard takes his helmet off motorcycle cop sees that it's The guy who he has been chasing through the entire film, who has committed a series of very serious crimes, and then just doesn't do anything about it. Because he can see the power of the family coming
0: together. The family who, wife and child, don't recognise Arnold Schwarzenegger's face, which isn't covered when he's Turbo Man. Yeah. He's got glasses over his eyes which are yellow, yeah. so you can still see his eyes, you can still see yeah.
1: all of his facial features, they don't know it's him. Yeah, but his voice is very slightly disguised.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you put modulation on Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, you don't know
1: it's him, because he sounds like everyone else. He gets away with everything. He Again, he's learnt nothing by this mm-hmm. point. He's if, if anything, what he's learnt is, he can actually do whatever he wants. He's more dangerous now than he ever was before, because he's realised that, He's a wealthy white man in America, so he can act with impunity. Whereas, (laughs) (laughs) whereas Myron, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's lucky that this is a kid's film because fortunately Myron is simply arrested and taken away. In reality, he would have probably, at best, been shot on sight. Yep. If not that, then he would have been black bagged into the back of a van and taken some kind of black site somewhere where he'd have been rendered for the terrorist acts that he's committed throughout this film.
0: And Jamie gives him the Turbo Man, the limited edition Turbo Man, as a kind of like, I've got the present I wanted, it's my dad's attention and love kind of thing. So he gives it he gives the Turbo Man to Myron so Myron can give it to his kid and he's like, You can give him that tomorrow uh tomorrow morning or whatever. It's like, No he can't. He will be in jail. Yeah. You're not gonna be able to pass that through glass. This is going to be in evidence for weeks well done, Jamie, you've learnt a lesson, you've been nice, but that was a pointless gesture. And also, Jamie doesn't have that history, so the only thing he knows of this guy is that he tried to throw him off a
1: building, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and his immediate thought was, oh, I'll give him a present. Yeah, well, Christmas is the season for forgiving murders and attempted murders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I appreciate. Obviously, there was no actual murders, but very nearly. In any real world... That Bob would have been a murder. I didn't really make any uh, any notes because I think as I, I, once it got to the point of Schwarzenegger Howard uh, flying around in his Turbo Man costume, my final note was, "What the fuck am I watching?" Yeah, and then I get and then I gave up at that point. I didn't re- really note anything else down, so I'm just going to tr- go as best off my memory. So it, it, it's then it's suggested that it's going to be like a happily ever after, you know, where that you know Schwarzenegger's learned his lesson. He's back at the house with his. Uh, with Liz and with Jamie um again no no comeuppance at all for anything that's gone on not for impersonating a police officer not for chasing a child you know and trying to steal from a child in a public place where everybody thought he was a a child molester I'm guessing yeah not for the damage that he's done to his neighbour's house or anything like that because we don't care because that was just Ted you know not Ted for animal cool. cruelty punching that christmas giraffe yeah. not for, not for punching the christmas giraffe at all Everything has worked out just dandy for Howard and the rest of his family. And that's where, pretty much where the film wraps up. We think, mm-hmm. until, yeah, we've got a post-credit sequence. Talk us through the post-credit sequence.
0: Uh, he puts the star on the Christmas tree, the dad's job, the one thing dad does at Christmas, and then they're very happy in their, in their Christmas day. It's Christmas Eve night, I guess, isn't it? Everyone's cheerful and then Liz says, "I can't believe you went through all that just for just for Turbo Man for Jamie." So what have you got me? Zoom in on Arnold's face as he realizes I got her nothing. He's still a bad person. Yeah, it's it's also too late now.
1: It was all for nothing. Your wife hates you. <laughs> this is it. So it, it's 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 bad enough that he got to Christmas Eve, and realizes that he obviously didn't get the Turdman doll. And the, the, the assumption to me is, and this is where we're going all the way back to the beginning of the film, the assumption is that he's so busy doing whatever he does that it's Liz's job to basically make Christmas happen, which right. is accurate accurate for a lot of, um, I guess, standard uh, male-female relationships that the, the woman does most of the, the heavy lifting in terms of, uh, yep. of like, running run the not, family. Not stuff. always
0: to this extent, but you see it a lot.
1: Yeah, she's asked him to do like one thing, which is to get this Turbman doll. He's forgotten that, but not only that, he's completely forgotten also to get a Christmas present for his wife. Wow.
0: At no point during that entire thing did he just think, oh, I should probably get her something as well. Yeah. Which suggests that he's got no one anything. He's literally done nothing at all this Christmas. Yeah. His entire plan for Christmas was turn up. That was it. Put the star on the tree, which he insists on doing. You don't get to insist on shit, mate.
1: I think Liz and Jamie, Liz especially, should just go off wherever Ted's wife is. I'm sure that wherever Ted's wife is, she's having a much better time. And I'm sure if the same thing happens, then Jamie would end up with a better quality father. I suspect what it would take for someone like Howard to straighten and sort his act out is to lose everything. He is a sociopath. He
0: really is. I hate him. I hate
1: him in this film.
0: <laughs>
1: I hate this film with a renewed fire. Wow, that's good. Passion's good. You know, one way or the other.
0: Should we rate this film? <laughs> I'll have to think about it. I mean, obviously, put the cookie down. Obviously, yeah. I, there's, I, I'm not even going to explain it. Put the cookie down. We've explained it enough.
1: Yeah. Put the cookie down. I am going to explain it because I'm not done. I'm not done. Jesus. Uh, I, I don't care if most of this rant gets edited out and it only goes on like some kind of patron that we've got in the future. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, was I supposed to be saving things? I've just been cutting everything. No, nah, it's fine. All of your stuff. All my stuff. Thank you. <laughs> all my rants. You can. So, yeah, everyone's known all the way through. It's put the cookie down for this one for me. Don't watch this. Don't watch this if, particularly if you're a Schwarzenegger fan. All right. And I, again, I used to consider myself a Schwarzenegger purist and. This was a period of his work where I was really just not enjoying much of it. And you know the next one that we're going to have to do is Batman and Robin, because that's just the way it's going to turn out. So don't watch it if you're a fan of Schwarzenegger. Don't watch it if you're a fan of Christmas films, because Christmas is incidental. And strictly speaking, It's a Wonderful Life isn't a Christmas film. You know, you've got the one scene sort of at the end that is at Christmas. The rest of it isn't but it's got that kind of like transformation that's and i think that like it's a wonderful life is what really informed what christmas films try to be for like the next 75 years or yeah. something like that right and you can see this trying to do some of those same things but it doesn't do it the character learns nothing he's a terrible person at the start he's a terrible person at the end of it it's not funny i can see why kids might laugh at it a little bit but oh you know th- there's better christmas films out there do not watch this film. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen.
0: Should we say put the cookie down, stand on the cookie, bury the cookie under some earth, set fire to the earth? Yeah, chop off the its area. head,
1: put a stake through its heart, burn it, bury it at the four corners of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, proper William Wallace it. Got that for A full Braveheart on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even then, by the time you get home, it'll still be like sat in your front room, mashing its little symbols together. (laughs) Outstanding. Rant over. So, yeah, very much uh, put the cookie down. Do not watch this, this terrible, terrible film. Done. I'm done. I'm done. So, I don't want to watch this film ever again. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to pretend that it never happened. Let's move on. So, shall we see what we're going to be watching next time? Let's
0: spin the wheel of pain.
1: The next episode of Podcast Action Hero will be True Lies. Oh, interesting.
0: I'm looking forward to that because I haven't seen it. Ever. Or or, maybe I've seen bits of it, but I don't think I've seen it all the way through. So it's Cameron. You know, there's a certain level of quality there. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm going to say that I'm happier to watch this than I am to watch Jingle All The Way
0: yeah we've we've had a bad run for the last three
1: yeah it's been a tough one so thank you very much for sticking with us thank you very much for listening to me scream down this microphone <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for understanding
0: that reindeers are now giraffes
1: so yeah just a little bit of the admin then uh you can find us on instagram and twitter at PodActionHero. drop us a message let us know what you think of the episode Uh, Unless you didn't like it, in which case, don't say anything. keep your opinions to yourself. Uh, But other than that, I've been Gavin. And I've been Jamie. And we will speak to you next time.